All right, what is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined once again by Brandon Cruz. Brandon, thank you for being back, dude. Absolutely, man. Always a pleasure to uh, to link up with you and uh, do a podcast. Yeah, of course. Um, you have been on this podcast quite frequently, so I imagine the listeners are familiar with you. So we'll go ahead and skip the intros. And really, let's just go ahead and get right into this. So our most recent conversation was really all around this topic of P ratio, basically how did to know whether you should cut or build. And then we both got a lot of questions regarding from there, how to maximize lean gains and really maintain a high P ratio. So really, again, like this episode, and I think as we discussed before, this will probably end up becoming something that's two part. But for part one, I just wanted to kind of start digging into how like, listeners can go about maximizing lean gains. So I would ask you to kick this off. When it comes to maximizing lean gains, where should we start? Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, I just want to, I want to thank all your listeners, for, you know, that came back with questions, with feedback. You know, we got a lot, I got a lot, you got a lot of questions as well as positive feedback on the P ratio topic. And it kind of, you know, inspired people to think critically. And I got a lot of critical like thinking questions that made me think. So that's, that's what this is all about. It's about spreading quality information, helping other people, but then also challenging us as coaches and as um, fitness professionals to level up our own skills and our own delivery of those things. So really when it comes down to maximizing lean gains, because the whole concept of the P ratio was we're aiming for a high P ratio. We want to go into a building phase and maximize the process of building muscle, but limiting um, the accrual of body fat. So basically the first thing we need to focus on when trying to maximize our lean gains in a building phase is our calorie intake. And essentially, what state of energy balance we're going to be in to build tissue, meaning are we going to be in a calorie deficit? Are we going to eat at maintenance calories? Or are we going to be in a calorie surplus? And so although some clients can build muscle while eating at a calorie deficit, being in a deficit won't maximize our ability to gain muscle. As dieting is more of a catabolic process per se, meaning we're burning substrates and trying to burn body fat to fuel our activity. Then also, being in a calorie deficit has been shown to reduce muscle protein synthesis by, I believe it's up to 27% in you know, particular research studies, which would l- limit the total amount of muscle we can build as stimulating muscle protein synthesis is the main process by which we synthesize new muscle proteins, which basically just means that's how we add you know, new actual contractile tissue to our body. So basically, as we enter a deficit, our body isn't as responsive to protein and isn't able to stimulate the building of muscle tissue as well. And then also on the other side of the equation, we also see increased rates of muscle protein breakdown, where there's an increase in the protein that we use as a fuel source. So what I really want to get across as the first priority is we need to look at calories, but there's different levels. We all know there's different levels of energy balance that we could be at. And one of the main questions I got was, well, would you recommend, because I was speaking about lean gains, and then it kept bringing up the concept of recomping, which is definitely possible. But if we're looking to maximize lean gains, guys, we got to go into a surplus. And, and there's a multitude of reasons behind that, like I just you know spoke about, but also we have to consider some of the effects of being in a deficit. And this is actually something that you and I covered in a podcast we did um, together last year on metabolic adaptation. We did like reverse dieting. And we spoke about the fact that being in a deficit can cause like these diet-induced metabolic adaptations, which include things like lowered sex hormone production. So we see lowered testosterone values in men, lowered estrogen levels in females. Um, we see an increase in catabolic hormones like cortisol. Um, we even see anti-catabolic hormones like uh, insulin, which are decreased. And that limits our ability to lower the rates of muscle protein degradation. So we see higher increases in muscle protein breakdown. So you know, from my perspective, like as a coach, I often have new clients come to me who want to diet, but also have that goal of wanting to grow muscle. And they're trying to chase like two goals, you know, with this, with the same type of method, but yeah, we can build muscle in the deficit and recomp. But if we're talking about maximizing lean gains, we need to avoid being in a deficit to do so. So basically in order to optimize our ability to put on lean muscle tissue, we need to at least be at maintenance. But honestly, I'd argue based on my experience and then also some of the research that we'll go over later here is that we actually need to be in a surplus to actually maximize muscle growth as when we're eating at maintenance, we're not only in a state of energy balance, but we're also in protein balance. So what that means is our level of muscle protein synthesis 
is basically just offsetting our levels of muscle protein breakdown. So the ability to build isn't maximized. And that's really what this podcast is about. So I think it's, you know, another thing that it's important to touch on is the fact that building muscle is an energetically expensive process. Um, it requires us to disrupt our homeostasis, um, which basically is like, we, we got to get away from our baseline. So this needs to be done through both a progressive training stimulus and then a sufficient energy intake to accompany that training stimulus. So what I'm always trying to get across to people is, yeah, we can do things. It's not that you can't build muscle in deficit. It's not that you can't build muscle at maintenance, but if we're trying to maximize things, we need to look at food and those calories as, you know, food is fuel and then calories are energy. So when we're looking to go into a surplus, we want to do so to be able to maximally stimulate muscle protein synthesis, as well as minimize muscle protein breakdown, which we can't do in a deficit. We want to also provide enough of an energy substrate to fuel the hard training that's needed to build muscle. Um, we also want to optimize the replenishment of the energy we burn through training in order to maximize our recovery, because what we really need to understand is that Calories are our main recovery modality that we have at our disposal. So you guys, instead of thinking of, you know, I say this because a lot of the questions that I got was about recomping. And when we're talking about maximizing lean gains, I really want to get it across to, we need calories. Don't be scared of calories. Like we need to use food as, food as fuel. And we also have to make sure that we have enough energy, both from a macro, but also from a micronutrient perspective to perform all the processes our body goes through on a daily basis, besides that of muscle building, you know, just to maintain our hormonal function, just to uh, like maintain uh, adequate hormonal levels or to uh, maintain our immune system for recovery for all these processes besides muscle building. Because if we don't have enough energy, our body's going to triage different systems. So it's going to downregulate our ability to build muscle and place it towards other processes. So ultimately, if we're looking at just from a broad-based perspective, what's the number one thing that we need to maximize lean gains? We need to make sure that we're in a surplus, but the magnitude of that surplus is something we'll discuss later. Okay, absolutely. And I think you did a very good job of tying that up. I have a lot of similar conversations where like, we might start by talking about building base. People always, always, always drift to recall. Well, can I also lose fat at the same time when I'm doing this? And I think that distinction that, hey, we do need to be in some of a surplus to absolutely maximize lean gains. Again, like the topic here is maximizing lean gains. Um, that's so important to understand because also I, I don't know if you've seen this, but I would say an anecdote from most everyone on like hop on an initial call with before coaching. Everyone that's been trying to recomp has been trying to recomp for like three to four years and wants to continue to try to recomp. But it's kind of like, okay, so how how well is that working for you so far, right? I think this is so important. And I would also say one of the note for the listeners, if it is like, hey, I don't know if I should enter like a gaming phase or a fat loss phase, go back and listen to a previous episode that discussed, hey, should you cut or should you build? Um, 100%. But from there, all right, so I'm still to dig a little bit deeper into this topic because especially when it comes to lean gains, and I apologize, I'm kind of rambling here, but I've heard, I know in the past in the fitness industry, there's even a lot of debate on this topic, like, hey, is like trying to lean gain a waste of time or should we just go hard and gain, and make sure we're getting a lot of excess weight? And there's a lot of debate on this topic, so I'm really, I'm really, really interested to your take. But my first follow-up question here would be, how do we determine how much of a surplus we need to maximize muscle gain, but also minimize fat gain? All right. So whenever I'm looking at how to determine how much of a surplus a client will need to build muscle, I look over like a, a variety of factors based on who I'm working with. So I'm looking at things like how long has that person been training for? Also, what level of advancement are they at? So it's not just the time you've spent training how long have you spent effectively training? So it could be someone that's been training for five years, but has been doing it suboptimally and they're still a beginner. So I'm looking at, are you a beginner? Are they an intermediate or are they an advanced trainee? I'm also looking at what their training and nutrition history is like and what it looks like, their relationship with food, what they've done. Have they been in a fat loss phase for a number of years? Are they a yo-yo dieter? What, what is their history like? So that's really important to me also I tend to attract a lot of people and worked with a lot of people that are a little bit fat phobic. So getting them into a surplus is not only um, a struggle from a physiological perspective, but also from a psychological perspective. So this is really where I've kind of cultivated or uh, developed this lean gaining approach because I've had a lot of people that were very hesitant 
to go into a surplus, especially my females. You know, it's so hard to get them out of that being at maintenance or being in the deficit and really get them into the mindset that we are looking to live a life of abundance. Let's look at calories as fuel. Let's look at these additive things. Let's increase protein. Let's increase muscle mass and realize you're not going to get big and bulky, nor are you going to gain excessive amounts of body fat if we do this correctly. So it's really shifting that paradigm. And then other things I'm looking at is how much muscle does this client have currently? And then the last thing that I'm looking at is how much more of a ceiling or rather a potential for muscle growth does this client have? And that's really hard to determine, to be honest with you. But I'll look at the trajectory of what they've been doing previously from a training perspective, from a nutrition perspective, what type of results they've gotten in the past. And based on their level of advancement, their level of uh, training years or training experience, and what they come to me doing, how much have they maximized how you know their, their ability to gain mass at this point? So at that point, I basically, all the clients I work, you know, at this point, basically all the clients that I work with are at that intermediate or advanced level and have been training hard for several years. And their goal when coming to me is to optimize their approach for gaining as much muscle as possible while also limiting fat gain. So when we go through this, this podcast and go through some of these questions, um, I'm going to speak from the perspective of my average client and then also what I believe is the listener of the show because the people that asked me these questions were by far intermediate or advanced. And I believe a lot of the people that listen to your show and that are listeners of this podcast are at that level. So they need a little bit more nuance and that's where we dive into these topics. So I'm really looking at when I'm speaking about this and I want to make a clear distinction I'm looking at someone that is focused on improving their physique through building more muscle, but isn't interested in gaining a ton of fat in the process because you know, how they look and feel in their body is their main focus and the goal that they're working towards. So keep in mind, like, yes, you can go into an excess surplus, but if, if maintaining a lean, healthy physique is like of the primary importance to you, this is what we're really talking about today. So I just want to make a distinction on that. No, that's, and that's super helpful. And I think that's pretty accurate to the listener as well. We get pretty nerdy here. So I do think it's typically more intermediate to advance. So I would ask then before you dig into like how much of a surplus you would use with this kind of intermediate to advanced avatar that we're talking to, are there any mistakes you think people make when approaching how they set up a building phase? 100%. And I got to say, I know that people make this mistake because I made this mistake and I'm sure Jeremiah, you made this mistake. So what I see, I see a lot of people, uh, especially my male clients that have come to me, um, either they've done this in the past or I'm having an intermediate come to me that is doing this currently. And what I really see is that most make the assumption that if they push up calories and eat a ton to gain muscle, that it's going to lead to this pure increase in muscle mass. But what many don't account for is the increase in fat mass that may come along with it. So I often you know, hear people say that as the more advanced and experienced you get uh, with your training, the more you should push calories to do as much as physically possible to gain muscle and push towards your genetic ceiling. And that's something I honestly disagree on. So a lot of times I'll, I'll hear like, you got to eke out that last bit of progress. You got to really push calories. You got to, you know, check off all the boxes. I believe that from a training perspective, I believe that from a lifestyle perspective, um, sleep, I believe in optimizing all the variables. But really pushing an excessive surplus is not one that I've seen, not only in the research, but I've also not seen anecdotally to work well. So generally, I actually take the opposite approach with advanced trainees as eating more and more calories doesn't equal extra you know, muscle. It usually equals extra, you know, extra energy, which will either need to be burned or stored, but this usually results in just an increase in body fat. And then we also don't have any data that shows that a massive surplus stimulates the increase of muscle more than a smaller surplus. But we do know that large surpluses do increase fat mass, which is why I avoid this, um, this excessive approach to force feeding and trying to essentially force feed muscle growth as building muscle is a slow process that we need to realize it can't be rushed nor forced by just simply throwing more calories down your throat. You know what I mean? So what we have to realize is that our way to gain muscle, you know, there's a, a cap to how much muscle that we can gain at any one period of time. And if you're taking in any more calories past what's needed to stimulate muscle protein synthesis and really fuel that recovery process, that is going to get stored as fat because you are in a surplus. So we're not, you know, speaking at people in maintenance or in a deficit, we're in a surplus. So if you have extra energy in the system, it is going to get stored as body fat. There's nowhere else for it to go. So interesting because as you alluded to, that's like the exact opposite approach of what I learned for so long. And even up until like a couple of years ago, my thoughts were always, hey, the more advanced you are, probably the more 
you're going to have to gain in a building phase. As you said, you've got the last bit of progress. But like now to look at it logically with, hey, our ability to build tissue, continue to add tissue, is going to decrease. Like the amount we can add per week, per month, whatever, is going to decrease as we go through, like as we progress through our career. It makes sense that we just need a smaller surplus. Well, if you don't, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but why do you think that is still such a pervasive idea in the industry? I, I really think it comes no, I, I think I think it's incredibly on topic. I think what has happened in the fitness industry is that more that more is more mentality has has rubbed off on everything. So for instance, I, I wanna give you an example of something within this industry that's not, you know, is contextually um, significant or linked to this, but isn't exactly about calories. Let's think about volume. Let's go back to like 2018 with the Schoenfeld study. And so more volume equaled more gains within that subsect. And yes, to a point, volume increasing volume will lead to greater gains in hypertrophy. But here's the thing. There's a dose response and it's an inverted U. So what I mean by inverted U is that to a certain point, as you do more, you get more results. But think about a U that's inverted. Essentially, at some point, you hit a tipping point, which is your peak of maximizing muscle gains. And then you actually go down. So doing excess volume is essentially becomes... Uh, counterproductive and becomes what we would refer to as junk volume. It's beyond your recovery capacity. And I believe the same things happens with calories. So in our industry, it's just pervasive that everyone has this more, you know, this hardcore mentality where you have to do more, uh, do a, a harder deficit. You know, when you're in a surplus, eat more calories to force feed muscle growth. When you're training, just do excess amounts of, you know, we, we had those progression models where it was, we're adding this amount of sets per week, no matter what. It's, it's this more is more mentality. And what I really try to get, I, I try to break that paradigm, especially with my clients, because I do have a lot of advanced individuals. So they've done a lot and they believe that the only way to get better results is to do more. And here's, here's my thought process with that. Not only is that counterproductive, but what happens when you keep, you know, it's like having your only one tool is a hammer and thinking that everything's a nail. And it's like, what happens when you run out of room with that hammer? Can you just continually add more training volume? You know, maybe for someone that's a personal trainer or that does this, you know, as a career, they could just continually add sessions. They could do two a days. Uh, they can continue ramping up volume. However, for our average client, they have a full-time job or, you know, they love fitness, but they have 60 to 90 minutes per session. How much more volume can they fit into that? So it's like, from my perspective, I'm looking at quality over quantity, and that relates to everything. So from a nutritional perspective, yes, calories are king. However, I put food quality, micronutrient intake, you know, and, and all those things right in a close second to that. So it's not only about the calories and the fact that I can have a client who if it fits your macros, when I'm dieting, you know, when I'm dieting clients, I'm not doing it you know, if it fits your macros with them, I'm making sure that they have micronutrient dense food sources. We're focusing on food quality because a lot of people, this is a mistake that they do in deficits, but we'll also talk about surpluses in a deficit. People are not only in an energy deficit from a calorie perspective, but they're also in a micronutrient deficit. And then I see the same thing from a surplus perspective. They go into excesses and they don't think about the metabolic ramifications. They don't think about the insulin resistance. They don't think about the uh, blood glucose elevations. They don't think about the excess adipose tissue or the inflammation that comes along with that. And these are all topics that we covered on our P-Ratio podcast, but it's it's this excess mentality that we have you know, in this industry as a whole. It's like, you know, you, you need to do it harder. You need to do it more. That's why HIIT training was so popular. That's why boot camp classes, it's all about how many calories can I burn in a, a short period of time? I want more calorie burn, more sets, more calories. Um, so with that, I think that that's really where we've gotten into where we've started focusing so much on quantity that we've forgotten the quality aspect. And that's what I really try to reel it back that more is more in certain aspects, but more can also hurt more. So more, you know, you can get better results to a certain extent, but at one point you're going to hit a tipping point and doing more is only going to be not only counterproductive, but could be hurtful to your process. It could be increasing your allostatic load or the total amount of stress that you have on your body. And it could actually be removing resources that could be going towards recovery and towards building muscle. And so that goes to calories, that goes to volume, that goes to supplementation, all different aspects of fitness. It's about finding that Goldilocks zone. So by that, what I mean is like when you think about Goldilocks, not too hot, not too cold. We want this middle of the road approach where we optimize things. And that's what this podcast is all about. Very well put, man. I think it's so easy. And I know I've definitely fallen into this trap. I think it's very easy to just focus on like applying more and more stimulus 
when, with whatever that stimulus may be without remembering that, hey, it's we stimulate, we recover, and then we grow. Right? I think it's so easy to forget about the latter half of that equation. Um, one thing you mentioned was research around large surpluses for gaining muscle and how they might not lead to more muscle growth. I'm not familiar with that. Can you dig into that? Absolutely. So, um, you know, one of my favorite studies actually, so, you know, early on when I first started getting into fitness and into bodybuilding, it was all about that. Eat as much as possible. We were on that Mm. seafood diet essentially. And I'm sure you You did did it. I did it. Absolutely, man. So, um, in 2013, this was a study that was released and I was very, um, I was, you know, very lucky that I was sent. It was sent to me from one of my mentors, like very, you know, right upon it getting released. So at this point it kind of shifted the paradigm. This was actually my first year coaching. So In 2013, there was a study by Garth et al., and it was done on advanced athletes from different Olympic-level sports. So essentially, what this study did was they put all the athletes on a high-volume hypertrophy training program while also having them continue their sports-specific conditioning work and then split them up into two different nutritional intervention groups. So one group received nutritional counseling and were put into about a 600-calorie surplus and gained at a rate of 0.7% of their body weight per week. And then the other group was told to eat in a surplus, but to do so in an ad libitum fashion, which basically means that they would eat to fullness rather than force feeding calories. But generally on average, um, they had between a 200 and a 300 calorie surplus. So what we would consider a, a moderate surplus. And then when the results came out, both groups gained a significant amount of muscle mass, but only the large surplus group that was eating that 600 calories more per day gained a significant amount of body fat, whereas the ad limited group did not. So essentially the large surplus group eating 600 calories more gained five times more fat and two times more body weight with almost all that body weight coming purely from fat mass as compared to the moderate surplus group. Yet the amount of muscle both groups gained were extremely similar And get this, there was no difference in training performances between the two groups. So it wasn't even like those extra calories that they were taking in fueled better strength gains or training outcomes. Um, So this study found that there was no added benefit of eating at a large surplus as compared to a smaller surplus for muscle growth, as it led to basically the same gains in muscle mass, yet didn't have any other outcomes besides those athletes gaining significantly more body fat and body weight. So basically, you know, the the findings of this showed that a slower weight gain via smaller surplus was enough to max out the muscle building effects of a surplus without adding extra fat as going above the surplus just contributed to excess fat gain in the other group. And then just actually just recently, we had another study, um, I believe it was Ribeiro in 2019, which looked at the effects of taking a larger surplus as compared to a more moderate surplus in well-trained competitive bodybuilders. So this was like a perfect study because it was inexperienced trainees. So when we're talking intermediate to advanced, this is our clientele. These were well-trained guys. They had at least one year of competitive bodybuilding experience. These guys, you know, were used to hypertrophy training. So if anyone was going to either benefit or not benefit from larger, smaller surplus, it was these individuals. So what this study did was they essentially split the competitor, uh, competitive bodybuilders into two groups, one who ate at a large surplus and then one who took a lower calorie surplus approach. And the higher calorie surplus group ended up gaining, um, you know, increasing fat free mass by 3%. And then I believe their fat mass was by 12.4%. So, you know, a lot, you know, a decent amount of lean body mass, but a lot of fat mass. And then the other group, which was eating at the lower energy surplus, increased fat-free mass by 1.5%. So they didn't gain as much muscle, but their fat mass was only increased by 2.5%. So those in the larger surplus did gain more muscle than the low uh, surplus group, but they did so at the cost of gaining significantly more body fat. And what I love about this study, and it actually ties in perfectly what we talked about on our P-Ratio podcast, is the smaller surplus group gained at a rate of four to one muscle mass to body fat ratio. So they had a really good P-Ratio. Whereas a large surplus group gained at a rate of four to three muscle to fat mass. So when we really look at it, they almost gained as much body fat as they did muscle, whereas the small surplus group gained four times more muscle mass as compared to the fat mass they gained. So that's a significant difference. So interesting. Another question, somewhat off topic. Do you think then when we're looking at, and this probably varies a lot by individual, I've tried in the past to someone give like, hey, we probably expect to gain about this ratio of lean tissue to this ratio of fat tissue, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that like, so you said a four to one ratio. So basically like, what is that 80% muscle, 
muscle 20% back gain. Is that, is that the right? Approximately. Way? Okay. Approximately. Okay. Do you think that's like a realistic expectation for a properly done lean gain space for most people or no? So I'm going to be honest with you. That's, that's a really difficult question to answer. I have seen some <laughs> research. I have seen some research, but it was actually done on the P ratio concept that if you remember what we spoke about, the, um, the anorexic group gained 60% fat-free mass as compared to the, um, the over, you know, the obese group that only gained 40% when going into a surplus. And I really think that it, it depends on the advancement of the trainee, how much, you know, exactly the, the amount of surplus. But I do think that we could at least have a more favorable P ratio, meaning we could have say a four to two. So 60% lean, lean mass compared to 40% fat gain. Um, whereas like in this case, literally, you know, they were gaining 50, 50, essentially the, the large surplus group. So I do think that we could, um, kind of skew it in our favor, but to really get down to like a percentage point, honestly, I wouldn't be able to, to differentiate. And I don't think we have any research on that, which is something that would be fascinating. I know that, um, Eric Helms was supposed to be working on a lean gain study and it actually was, yeah, it was, um, unfortunately, uh, because of the pandemic, it was, uh, held off, but I know a couple uh, guys that I've studied under. Um, that were involved in the or were involved in the preliminary uh, research findings, and so that's really what they were looking to investigate. But up until this point, we have two or three studies based on um, advanced or intermediate trainees and rate of gain. I just went over two of them, but they don't even uh, break it down like that. Okay, okay, interesting. I know that's a question, especially from a lot of women I've worked with, like entering the building phase. I'll often get asked, like, hey, how much muscle versus how much fat can I expect in here? And I'll typically say, hey, like, worst case, it's 50-50, right? Mm-hmm. Where, yeah. But like, that, cool, that's cool that that at least validates that answer a little bit more past just, like, and, what I see from anecdotal. And also, just, just because I've encountered this, especially with women as well, and like I mentioned before, I have a lot of individuals that come to me that have suffered from being, like, what I would call fat phobic in the past. What I always try to get across to people is we want to optimize lean gains but we can never gain, and we covered this on our last podcast, we will never gain purely 100% muscle tissue or 100% fat tissue. There is, unfortunately, that's just not how, the, how it works. And even, for instance, even when you gain a pound of fat, there is um, what's called an obligatory amount of fat-free mass that comes along with that, and it's between 13 to 15%. So for instance, and this is in research, if you were to gain one pound of pure body fat, and that doesn't mean, that would mean, say you gain two pounds, but one pound was body fat and one pound was, was lean tissue, 85% of that pound of adipose tissue, or you know, 85% of the pound of adipose tissue would come from fat. 15% of that would actually come from fat-free mass. So nothing is ever 100% absolute. And just like with, with muscle tissue, muscle tissue is about 70 to 75% water and then 20% protein, and then like um, electrolytes and things like that. So even if we were to gain a pound of tissue, it's, it's never 100%. So we can never give, and you know, that's why I really think we can never give those um, pure cut percentages. However, what I always try to get across to clients, if we do this well, you're going to gain multitudes more of muscle than you are fat. And here's the thing, we know that gaining muscle is a much slower process than um losing body fat. So if you gain, say a three to one ratio, so this study showed a four to one ratio, but let's just say hypothetically, you're gaining three pounds muscle for every one pound on fat. So you go into a gaining phase where you do that over the course of a few months, you gain 12 pounds of uh, skeletal muscle tissue, but you gain four pounds of fat. Four pounds of fat could easily be lost in a couple of weeks of, of a mini diet. You know what I mean? A mini cut or something of that sort. So it's like you netted all this lean tissue and then in a small period of time, you were able to lose the fat that you accumulated because we did things well. I love that, man. That's exactly how I break it down as well. I think just understanding how much quicker you can lose fat than build muscles. Like, hey, worst case, you gain three, four pounds of fat, lose it in three to four weeks, and cool, you got three to four more pounds of muscle now. So speaking of that, how much of a surplus? This is a very interesting question because I have no idea what the hell the answer is, but how much of a surplus do we need to build, say, a pound of muscle? Okay, so this is actually a direct listener question that I received. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, this answer has haunted me for years, or this question (laughs) rather, because I've received it so many times and I've looked through so much countless literature. I remember Lyle McDonald um, quoted it at 2,400 to 2,700 years ago in one of his books. Um, But the most recent research by Slater et al. shows that it takes around 3,000 calories 
over your current maintenance intake to gain a pound of muscle, which is less than like the 3,500 calories that we generally associate with gaining a pound of fat. Mm -hmm. And now we have to realize that a pound of muscle is going to be different than a pound of fat. And the reason for that is when we look at the caloric content of a gram of protein as compared to a gram of fat, we know that there's four grams or four calories per gram of protein as compared to nine calories per gram of fat. So when it comes to gaining tissue, storing one pound of protein uh, as muscle takes less energy to build than gaining one pound of fat does. So it takes essentially, it takes less calories to accrue a pound of muscle than it does to add a pound of fat, which is something that I see a lot of people not being aware of. So they eat at that larger surplus and that, you know, they eat more than they need to to gain muscle. And that's what results in this excess in, you know, fat gain. Okay. And then, you know, we also have, actually, we also have um, some research that um, it does, you know, when, when we went over the research as well, it does seem that we need less calories of surplus to build muscle than fat, but because building muscle is an energy costly process, it is hard to predict this. Um, so even when like researchers in the study um, did these type of, you know, in this Slater et al. paper, it's important to note that they said that was their best assumption. So I always try to get across, you know, I go over a lot of research. I really like diving deep into it. I like applying it to my clients, but we need to use research. I said this to a client actually the other day, and it really got across to him because he wanted to know something very specific about a topic. And I was able to send him some research on it, but he didn't really understand it was mechanistic research. And so I told him, listen, you take the mechanism, but then you have to realize, does this apply to the person themselves? So I, I gave him this analogy and it really got it through to him. So I want to you know, share this with your audience that we need to, to use not use research as a map, but rather as a compass. So it, it generally points us in the right direction, but we have to use our skill as a navigator, which in our case is a coach to get to that end destination. So what I try to do is I, I always tell people, my goal is to bridge the gap between information and application. So I take what I see with my own clients in real life. And then also what the research says, and I experiment, I, you know, I'll try different calorie surpluses. I'll apply these different methods to my clients, but I also, I take what's useful and then disregard or, or discard what's useless. And so, yeah, you know, the, the research I was able to find says 3000 calories for some, it might be 3,500 calories to gain a pound of tissue for others. It might be 2,500 because we have to realize that when research, research reports what are called averages. So it's a standard deviation and it could be, you know, that re represents the mean average, meaning 95% of the population, but you could be in that 5% outlier. And so if we always apply just what's the average, we might be missing out on those end of ones. And that's really what coaching is about. Absolutely. So if we base off of that, just to make sure I'm in, listeners are understanding this, <laughs> if it's roughly 3,000 calories, I think that's a lot of there but based on that like if you were expecting to gain a pound and i i, I want to actually dig into like surpluses in the side of that mm -hmm. but if we were to like say we were expecting to gain a pound of muscle per month three thousand calories across like 30 days would be 100 calories surplus per day correct absolutely and I, I know it's hard for people to hear that and really accept that because we're we're so used to what fat loss rates are so the general you know um you know, thing in the fitness industry is just go on a, a 500 calorie deficit. And what we have to realize is we can't extrapolate the things we do in fat loss to muscle building because they're two separate processes. And I think that's something that that's a, that's a fallacy of the fitness industry in multiple aspects. So I actually just spoke about this on a, a previous podcast was the fact that people look at what you need, to, how you need to train in a deficit differently than how you train in a surplus. And what I mean by that is a lot of people think they need to change their training, but what you need to realize is that what built the muscle is going to maintain the muscle. So if you use a high protein intake and a progressive training stimulus to build muscle, then you should use that in a deficit to maintain that muscle. And if you use a certain amount of set volume, and that's what built your muscle, increasing volume above that during a deficit is probably going to be counterproductive. And I see a lot of people trying to quote unquote, burn in the cuts or increase their energy expenditure through training. And it's like, that's actually counterproductive because you have less fuel as a substrate available to actually fuel not only that training, but also the recovery process. So the same thing has to be considered for rate of gains for fat loss and for muscle gain. You can't take the same you know, rate of loss and apply that to rate of gain. And you can't take the same type of um, differential in your calories that you would use for a fat loss phase and apply that to your muscle gaining phase. So I always see people using this generic 500 calorie rule. They'll say, listen, I'm going to go into a 500 calorie deficit or when they go into surplus, they go into a 500 calorie surplus. It's like, I'm going to lose a pound a week or I'm going to gain a pound a week. What they don't realize, and, and I always try to get this across to people, is you lose fat far, you know, substantially quicker than you do 
um, then you gain muscle. And generally, I'm going to shoot for with a client, like say a 1% rate of loss in, in a fat loss phase. However, I'm going to go for like a 0.25% rate of gain with a client. So if I'm aiming for one-fourth the rate of gain than I am the rate of loss, why would I use the same, same percentage of a surplus as I do a deficit. You should at least divide that by four. So say it's a 500 calorie surplus, let's divide that out by four and use 25% of that. That'd be 125 calories. So it's right in line with that. And I think anybody that's run a dreamer bulk, that 100 calorie or 125 calorie surplus number is also kind of hard to hear. Um, but based on all of this, then how much of a surplus would you put a client into? And typically what rate of gain would you aim for? Okay. So for those who are purely interested in, in gaining lean tissue and improving their physique in the process, taking a more moderate approach towards the surplus they use during a building phase is going to be a much more intelligent approach. So generally I shoot for between a 0.25 to 5.5% rate of gain per week with my clients based on various factors, such as some of the ones that I mentioned before, like their training age, their current body fat level, and how close to their ceiling of muscle building potential they are. So for example, with more novice trainees, I'll err on that side of 0.5% per week, and we'll use a bit of a higher surplus to achieve that as they have a higher potential for synthesizing lean tissue. But with more of my intermediate or advanced clients, which is the majority of my clientele, I'll now aim for you know 0.25% per week, which is just 1% of, of body weight gain per month, as this is the rate of gain that ensures that they gain predominantly muscle tissue, which is our goal. And they don't gain this unnecessary amount of fat mass, which we will eventually need to spend more time dieting off afterwards. So basically, the, the whole concept behind this is that the more advanced you get, the slower rate of gain, uh, slower rate you should use when gaining as muscle growth happens slower. So taking a slower approach is beneficial as it lowers the amount of time you have to spend dieting later that year, as you basically have less fat to cut off at the end of your building phases, which is something I've seen with both myself and my own clients, who I've worked with for extended periods of time and who've gone through fat loss and then building phases together. So for example, if I have an advanced client who's say 200 pounds and I'll put them in enough of a surplus to gain 1% of their body weight per month, which is roughly two pounds per month. So based on what we covered, that would be a total of say 6,000 calories needed over the course of a month, which would look like an average of 200 extra calories per day to gain that tissue, which is right in line with the Garth paper where the ad limnum group ate a couple hundred calories over their maintenance per day and maxed out their muscle growth. So in that study, it was an average of two to 300 calories. Um, and I'm right in line with, with that estimation with 200. However, I also, uh, I should mention that I tend to go about distributing the surplus a bit differently the more advanced a client is. So I found a lot of benefit to using calorie cycling with clients where I'll match their nutrition and calories to the demands of their day, especially during building phases. So for example, instead of using the same weekly surplus across the course of the week, I'll basically take that weekly calorie surplus and we'll specifically divide up that total surplus across just their training days rather than seven days across the week. So instead of having that advanced client who I mentioned before who's 200 pounds, eat at a 200 calorie surplus every single day, I may increase that to say 300 calorie surplus on just training days which is going to allow us to better fuel their training and help accelerate recovery by increasing the calories on those days that they need it most. And then I'll usually keep them at maintenance calories on their off days when their energy expenditure is lower. So I'm, I'm essentially using the same net total surplus. I'm just allocating it a bit more strategically, but overall, like this is highly dependent on the client, their response, uh, and especially in terms of how they metabolically adapt to an increase in calories. So with, as with everything, I always mention caveats, like on the podcast that we do together, I'm monitoring everything from their check-in photos to their training progression, to biofeedback, in addition to their average weekly scale weight changes, which I have them do on a daily, um, I do, do through daily weigh-ins uh, in order to limit the errors that are associated with those daily fluctuations that may occur throughout the course of the week, because I want to be able to continually adjust things week to week as needed, because a lot of people just said and forget things. They say, I'm going to put you in a 500 calorie surplus. When you stop gaining, we'll adjust it. And for my, I just don't seem find that to be the most optimal way about, of going about it. And so I'm really into titrating things. So that might look like, you know, an adjustment of 50 calories or hundred calories. And I'm just trying to slowly eke things up because like I said, the more advanced you get, the lower muscle building potential you have. And the more, and with that being said, the more predisposition you do have to gain fat, 
which ultimately isn't my client's goals. So I'm really trying to stay in line with what they need in terms of a calorie perspective, but also what they want from a body composition perspective. And I think from a coaching perspective, that's really important to keep in mind. Absolutely. That's, that's very insightful. So one follow-up question as far as the calorie cycling goes on the, the, um, on your training days, we're probably bringing up carbs. And then within that, like if the rest days are lower, of course, probably carbohydrates will have to be lower. Do you ever like intentionally bring up fats higher on rest days and drop carbs more? I've seen some coaches do something similar to that, or is it basically, hey, we're just manipulating carbs? So as with everything, it's going to be highly client dependent. It's going to be based on their body composition level, their response, their GI health, like how well they digest different sources. But with a lot of clients, I will use what I I call an undulating calorie cycle. So essentially what that means is I'm not only changing the calories, but I'm also changing the macronutrient allotments. So for instance, with certain clients, I'll utilize say higher carb, um, you know, high protein, higher carb, lower fat approach on training days, and then a high protein, higher fat, lower carb approach to really try to increase insulin sensitivity on those um, maintenance days or their off training days. With others, I might utilize something like, uh, you know, high protein, moderate carb, moderate fat days on their training days, and then utilize a protein sparing modified fast on their off days. It's really going to depend on the client. You know, you know me personally, I'm really into blood glucose monitoring all that, you know, glycemic control. I'm looking at both their fasted blood sugar levels and their postprandial. But if someone's super insulin sensitive, the calorie cycle might just be uh, a reduction of carbs. I might keep protein set and fat set at what's adequate for their body mass and also their response. And then I might just titrate up uh, carbohydrates on training days as compared to off days. So for instance, if I'm utilizing a 300 calorie surplus on those training days, that would be 75 grams of carbohydrates. You know, so I'll utilize... 75 grams more on their training days as compared to their off days if someone's extremely insulin sensitive. And also we have to consider personal preference. So I'm also going to ask the client, what do you prefer? Do you want to keep your fat at you know, a baseline threshold that's good enough to um, help with hitting your essential fatty acids, absorbing fat-soluble vitamins and minerals, um, and obviously optimizing hormone levels? Or do you prefer fats and you would rather have them on your off training days? And then another thing that we really have to take into consideration is how is that person's appetite in the building phase? So if someone has a ravenous appetite, I'm probably going to use higher carbohydrates because they're going to be more filling and there's more volume associated with those carbohydrates, more fiber. But if someone is you know, struggling with their appetite, I'm going to use more fats because per gram, they're less satiating. So I'm able to get more calories per gram. So I can include stuff like oils, stuff like avocado, things that are not going to be super, super satiating or filling from a volumetric perspective, but they're going to provide ample calories for what that client needs. Absolutely. Okay. Do you, do you have another call coming up here or do you have a bit more time yet? Yeah. 15 minutes, my man. Okay, cool. One other question I want to ask you before we wrap this up. (laughs) So when we're looking at fat loss, which as we discussed, fat loss and building muscle are two separate processes. When we look at fat loss, people are typically looking at, okay, really all that matters is the size of the deficit across the course of the week. So when we look at building muscle, which I think I know your answer here, but I want to hear your take. When we look at building muscle, is it safe to apply that same, like, okay, well, we're in this weekly surplus, so thus, like, that should end our gains, or is that the wrong, wrong way to look at that? Okay, so I see this from a, a little bit of a different perspective. I understand that um, it is the weekly, it is weekly calories when it comes to, especially, especially during a fat loss phase, energy balance is key. So being in a deficit is necessary. Now we'll have certain coaches that will come out and say, you need to be in a surplus every single day. So when they hear that, I, I would recommend a 6,000 calorie surplus for the month, um, to ensure lean gains, they would say, well, I'm just going to divide that by 30 days. I'm going to make sure they're in a 200 calorie surplus across every day of the month. Just make sure that they're in positive energy balance. However, here's the thing. We have to consider the um, factors that go into what is going to influence nutrient partitioning. So for instance, if someone has trained, we're going to see an upregulation after training in protein absorption. So you're going to have higher rates of muscle protein synthesis and also in glucose uptake. So like we spoke about on the last podcast, you're going to have an upregulation in GLUT4 translocation, which is going to be a non-insulin mediated way of absorbing more carbohydrates. So my argument is, If I'm going to allocate higher calories on certain days, it should be in that training window. 
And those are going to be the days that your client's going to benefit most to nutrient timing. So for instance, if it's 300 extra calories, I might just put it in the peri-workout window. I might put an intra-workout if someone's struggling with, with from a, a satiety aspect, and I might put a lot of that bolus of carbohydrates post-workout to really maximize that nutrient partitioning effect, which is going to help with lean gains, as we spoke about with the P-Ratio podcast last time. Now, you know, Remember, when I said I was calorie cycling, I'm keeping them at least at maintenance on those off days. So it's not like they're in a deficit or predisposed to losing tissue. We also have to consider the fact that the time course for muscle protein synthesis in advanced individuals is only 28 to potentially 48 hours. So for instance, if I have a, a client training five days per week and they take off the weekends and you know they, they take off Saturday and Sunday. By that Sunday, they have lowered rates of muscle protein synthesis, even if they were to eat higher protein. They're not getting that same effect because it isn't just this, it isn't the stimulus of training plus the protein, which is increasing that, that total peak of muscle protein synthesis. So to utilize higher calories on those days, so to take that surplus and instead of allocating it 300 calories across those five days and then maintenance on Saturday and Sunday, and instead of say, I'm going to use 200 calories across the entire week, even on Saturday and Sunday, you're kind of disregarding the fact that nutrient timing does give you a couple percentage points. And also the fact that um, you can utilize some of these methods, you know, in terms of matching energy expenditure. So we know that on our training days, you're going to have a, a, a higher output than you are on your off days, unless you're someone that's super active. So what I really try to do is I think about in the context, what is my client's training schedule like? What are their output on a daily, uh, daily basis? Let me match their nutrition to their training. So if we're going through a high volume, say we're going through an accumulation block, I'm going to make sure they have more calories. So if I need to maximize lean gains and we only have this, you know, calories are like a budget. So if I only have these budgeted calories, I'm going to maximize them at the times they need them most and they would benefit from the most. Okay. That makes complete sense. Very well, very well answered. I think one of the, one of the points there, again, I've talked about with clients in the past is we can't, it's probably very disadvantageous to look at this as like, okay, well, I underate for three days, I'm building, so I'm just going to make sure I overeat for four days, right? We probably won't get the same outcome as if we're a little bit more methodical with this. Yeah, I think, I honestly, I think that's an incredible way to, to touch on it because I want to get it across that I'm leveraging higher calories on training to fuel that, but it's not that we're eating in excess certain days and then under eating on others because that's not only a disordered way of eating, first and foremost, that's like the cheat day ideology where people under eat throughout the course of the week and then overeat on one day. Um, but it's also suboptimal from a physiological perspective. So I'm keeping people at maintenance. They're in positive protein balance. I'm making sure they're hitting their leucine threshold every meal. But if there's a time that I could allocate more calories when they're going to partition those nutrients, both protein, carbohydrates, and all those substrates better, I'm going to take advantage of them, especially for my advanced trainees. And that's going into the nuances. Like when we look at the prioritization or the hierarchical perspective or principles of nutrition, calories come first. And then all the other things, calories, then macronutrients, then micronutrients. We look at nutrient timing at the, the upper end of the pyramid when it, where it's less important. However, I have a lot of people that come to me, they want that extra 5%. And if that's the case, I'm going to put all the knowledge that I have into creating a plan that's optimal for them. And so when we're looking at maximizing lean gains, I'd rather utilize those extra calories in that surplus perspective when they're going to A, need them, B, utilize them better and partition them better. All right, man. So you have about 10 minutes left here. I don't think we're going to get through this entire topic. So this will definitely be two part. We're we'll probably going to call the next part the Leeds Blueprint or something similar to that. And definitely there will be a ton of application on that as well. Um, to kind of tie things up, did you have any final thoughts you wanted to add here to kind of wrap up everything we've discussed so far? Yeah, honestly, um, I think we covered the majority of the questions. So the, the biggest thing that I would wrap up on is just from a a broad-based perspective, just realize a calorie surplus is conducive to gaining muscle, but isn't always needed, nor is an excess calorie surplus any more beneficial for accruing new tissue than a small one. So that's really what I'm trying to get across. We have these different, you know, I, I get people that ask me questions from different ends of the spectrum. And in fitness, we also we often see like these paradigm shifts where people are in one extreme camp or another. So I have a lot of people that ask me, you know, I want to maximize muscle building in a deficit. 
Well, you just said you wanted to maximize muscle building and you can't do it in the deficit. You can build muscle. And I've had many clients that have recomped under me, but I always make it clear to them. What is your main goal? Well, my main goal is maximizing muscle gain. All right. Well, we need to be in a surplus. However, if your goal is to optimize your body composition and in your mind, that's the process of losing body fat and accruing muscle tissue, we could do so in a deficit. So it's definitely possible. But I see that Unfortunately, in fitness, we have, like I said, we have these extreme, it's almost like these pendulums that they, they swing from extreme to extreme. And so it's either you're going to under eat and try to gain muscle, which is suboptimal, in my opinion, or you're going to go into an excess surplus, which is suboptimal because you're going to accrue fat. So basically, just for everyone out there, what we see in research and then also what I've seen with my own clients is that as long as we're in a slight surplus and at an adequate protein intake, their rate of gain mostly comes from lean muscle mass rather than fat mass. However, what often occurs when you push that surplus is that you gain just as much lean mass, but a disproportionately more fat mass, which you're eventually going to have to diet off. So we always have to think about, and I always say this, don't think about just the next 12 weeks, think about the next 12 months. So set yourself up for success where you and I are both huge proponents of nutritional periodization, going through building phases, uh, dieting phases, maintenance phases, reverse dieting phases. All these things are cyclical and they're phasic. But we want to make sure that we're potentiating the progress we're going to make later on. And so both from a that, you know, from a, a physique perspective, but also from a metabolic health perspective, that's why we got on the subject of the P ratio, not going above an excess amount of body fat. But if you push calories, you're going to get to that level eventually, especially if you do it for a prolonged period of time. So we don't have any evidence that pushing calories will result in a greater stimulus for gaining muscle, but we do have evidence that it shows that it results in more fat gain. So my biggest suggestion to anyone out there that's looking to optimize lean gains, this is the whole premise of this podcast and all the questions that we got. If you're trying to maximize your P-ratio and you're trying to maximize lean gains, look to getting into a slight surplus and maximizing every variable, which is something that we can go into in, in the follow-up podcast that we do on this. We want to maximize the training stimulus. We want to maximize your macronutrient intake, especially from a protein perspective, because one of the main ways to build muscle is stimulating muscle protein synthesis, both through resistance training and adequate protein intake. And then we dial in the nuances and there's details, like we spoke about the nutrient timing, the calorie allocation via you know calorie cycling in my case. And so we're really dialing in all those dials to optimize lean gains. And so instead of looking at it as, can I do it in deficit? Can I do it in a massive surplus? Try to take the more moderate approach, which I know isn't sexy, but it is effective. I think... And fitness as a whole, just being willing to play the long game is so important. Um, I, I love it, Matt. I think this was great. A lot of application here. Before I let you go, will you, per usual, just tell everybody where they can find you? Absolutely. Jeremiah, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I got to run on a call. But we are going to do a part two, so I want the audience to know. If you guys have any questions whatsoever, we literally, him and I got together on this podcast because of the questions that you guys had in regards to our P-Ratio podcast. So any questions you guys have in relation to this episode in particular, please let us know because we're all about delivering value and trying to get out that education on topics that you guys find interesting and that's also going to be applicable to what you're going through or what you're curious on. And as far as contacting me or finding me is concerned, feel free to reach out to me guys at Instagram at brandedecruz underscore or on my email at bdecruzfitness at gmail.com. Perfect. I'll get all that all up in the show notes. And again, thank you for being here, man. Absolutely, brother.